0: Graphic Audio fans, this is Dwayne Beeman here with this week's pick of the week. My pick this week is the first book of a new supernatural mystery series from Graphic Audio, G.S. Denning's Warlock Holmes 1 – A Study in Brimstone Get ready for an all-new take on everyone's favorite Victorian odd couple. Holmes and Watson are back, but this time… Holmes is communicating with thousands of demons, constantly trading favors to help solve unsolvable crimes. One problem though, every time he receives one of these favors, the thin wall separating our world from a literal hell gets even thinner. Fortunately, Dr. Watson, his new roommate, is really quite good at solving mysteries, using the more traditional methods of following clues and making keen observations. This is not your grandpa's stuffy Sherlock. Warlock Holmes is laugh-out-loud funny with vampires, trolls, extra-dimensional demons, and a lot of earwax. Warlock Holmes is a magical detective, not afraid to get his hands dirty and possibly sacrifice a friend or two along the way. He is the same as the old Holmes, only this one is a little hell-bent. Props to G.S. Denning for coming up with this fresh new take on the Sherlock Holmes character. More shout outs to director Scotty Tuhati McCormick and sound designer Justin Wirtz for creating this wonderful production that enters into new territory for us. The Graphic Audio Bullpen does great acting work, led by Scott as Watson and Eric Messner as Holmes and featuring Patrick Bussing, Bradley Smith and Lolita Horn among others. We haven't heard from the Graphic Audio universe in a while concerning some of their reviews on our productions so I figured I would share some concerning Warlock Holmes 1. Bob says, It's definitely different. I was a bit nervous about this title, I won't lie. I was afraid it might end up being dry and boring, but no, it was anything but. I'm glad Graphic Audio picked this title and can't wait for the next one. Anthony states, Thoroughly enjoyed the story with character twists and a touch of supernatural. Can't wait for the next one to come out. As always, great acting by the Graphic Audio cast, and Amy shares with us a sublime series of capers that pay loving tribute. Scott McCormick was a wonderful Watson, as well as Eric Messner shining as Holmes. They had fantastic chemistry together, which is imperative when it comes to Watson and Holmes. I love their back and forths. I cannot wait to hear the sequel, because this was a brilliant adaptation. We are glad Graphic Audio Nation enjoyed this title, And I'm sure you will, too. So go ahead and grab a study of brimstone today. Let's listen to a clip of Graphic Audio's production of G.S. Denning's Warlock Holmes 1, A Study in Brimstone.
1: Aha!
2: No, Holmes, Robert E. Lee was not a demon. Warlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Resident Sacrifice. That is what you were thinking, is it not? Well, it is incorrect. He was a gifted general, that is all.
1: But Watson, I said nothing, nothing. You've read my mind. I did no such thing. But you did, for that indeed was my last
2: thought. (sighs) Holmes, you know better than that. Simple observation has revealed your thoughts to me, and if you are going to persist in explaining away your demonic insights as detective work, I think you had better take the trouble to learn
1: how to correctly observe and deduce expect me to believe your little parlor trick affords insight into another man's inner thoughts? To that, I say a loud, abrupt pishaw. Holmes. Pishaw. Holmes, let
2: me detail my observations for you. Perhaps you will begin to understand. First, I noticed you reading the featured article in my military history magazine, in which Lord Huffington sings the praises of General Lee's martial prowess. Correct. You then ran to the bookshelf and picked up a volume of poetry by Stephen Crane, the newspaper correspondent, who turned to apocalyptic poetry when he was sent to report on the war. It may be the darkest verse the hand of man has ever put to paper, and I wish you wouldn't read it, for I fear it gives you ideas.
1: It does, Watson. Oh, it does.
2: After you read enough poems to turn your mind from generalship to demonics, You suddenly gasped and stared in amazement at the portrait of Robert E. Lee, which hangs above our bookshelf, for reasons I still do not understand.
1: His was the picture that came in the frame when I purchased it,
2: Watson. Ah, well, one mystery solved. After staring for some time with your mouth hanging wide, you ran to the desk and began sketching another version of the same portrait, wherein the general has horns, fangs, a tail, and slitted snake eyes. You then gave a cry of triumph and threw down your pencil as if you had proven a great truth, at which point I chose to inform you that Robert E. Lee was not a demon. Now, do you see how observation led me to that deduction? But it looks just like him. Of course it does. You drew it to look like him. This does not prove... Yes?
3: A gentleman to see Mr. Holmes.
2: Judging by her breathy tone... I imagine it must be an attractive gentleman indeed, perhaps worthy of inclusion in one of her smutty novels. Enter. Warlock gave me an angry glance and flew back to his desk. He flung a book over his devilish sketch, still certain he had discovered a secret that must be guarded from the eyes of the common man. The door swung open to reveal Mrs. Hudson hanging from our guest's left arm in a half-spoon. She might have fallen in love on the strength of his facial hair alone, for our visitor wore a dashing moustache, such as one find in the circus or on certain cavalry officers. He held himself with a feminine reserve and a demure, almost subservient air, yet his upper body bulged with musculature. As he stepped forward I noted he had the traces of a limb and that his left foot turned
3: in slightly.
0: Mr. Percy Trevelyan.
3: (laughs) At your service. You are Mr. Warlock Holmes. You want that one. Yes, I am Warlock
1: Holmes. How may I be of service?
3: It is a matter of some delicacy.
2: Trevelyan then held his silence until Mrs. Hudson realized that he was waiting for her to leave.
3: I'll just be on my way then. Lovely to meet such a distinguished gentleman such as yourself.
2: Before leaving, I saw her fire a hateful sneer at Holmes in me.
3: Ah, that's better. Now, tell me all. Well, I am the founder of Trevelyan's aerial ballet. And a dancer, I perceived it at once.
2: Trapeze, I think you'll find. Observe his calloused hands, muscular upper body, and the club foot which would surely preclude a career as a dancer. Oh, damn! I saw from Trevelyan's glance that I had wounded
3: him somewhat. It is uh, just as your uh, uh, colleague says. I'm sorry, you must be... Dr. John Watson at your service. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to meet you. Very glad to find you here indeed.
2: I did not like his inference. I had observed the marks of, shall we say... A gentleman's gentleman about Mr. Trevelyan? I suppose he assumed himself to be in like company, and thought my relationship with Holmes was a romantic one. Holmes and I are merely fellow lodgers. It helps to share expenses. Even for a doctor? Well, I... Yes, for this doctor. I am not currently in practice, so...
3: Ah, I am here to ask Mr. Holmes' advice over just such an arrangement.
2: I think a different arrangement.
3: Last spring, I was approached by a gentleman after one of my shows, name of Blessington. I cringed, hoping the story was not to be too lurid. He found me at Le Café Majestique, taking dessert with a few of my uh, admirers, still in my costume. He walked straight up to us, declared an interest in trapeze, and offered to pay for the entire table if he might be allowed to join. Well, we were delighted and admitted him at once. Yet he proved to be so crude, I I found myself amazed that a mind like that could have any interest in the arts at all. As the evening wore on and people began to excuse themselves, it became clear that he was waiting to be the last man at the table with me. When he had me alone... He made a very strange proposition. I shifted uneasily in
2: my chair, which drew a look of annoyance from Trevelyan. Holmes was yet to give any indication that he understood the situation our guest was describing.
3: Blessington told me he wished to become a patron of the arts, but knew nobody in London's creative circles. That very night, point-blank, he offered to support me. (laughs) He promised me room, board, spending money, and financial support for my trapeze show. All I had to do was come live with him and offer a share of my profits. I say, do you make a lot of money at trapeze? (laughs) No, I don't. Nobody does. I imagine
2: that did not concern Mr. Blessington.
3: It did not. I chided him for his forwardness, but told him I might be interested... He offered to show me the place that very night, and I will confess I agreed. Imagine my surprise when he had me installed in a separate room from his own.
2: Why should that surprise you? Trevelyan gave Holmes a sly look. Well, Holmes, Mr. Trevelyan enjoys the company of other men. As do I. No, I mean, instead of women.
1: Well, that is understandable. Much as I would like to say I am beloved of the ladies, I find I never know quite what to say to them. So I suppose I must also state that I find myself more comfortable in the company of men. You misunderstand.
2: Mr. Tervalian is a confirmed bachelor.
1: Well, if anybody asked you or me to confirm our marital status, would we not have to proclaim ourselves bachelors also? Holmes,
2: when a gentleman agrees to move into another gentleman's house and allows that man to pay his way through life... Just as you and I do. No, Holmes, this is a different arrangement entirely. It sounds exactly the same. Finally, Trevelyan nodded to me that he would take over. He
1: leaned in close to Holmes. Oh! Yes, that is different. I have heard of such things, of course, but Mr. Blessington was not offering such an arrangement?
3: No! Once he had me installed and dependent, he ignored me entirely. Still does. We rarely speak more than a few words to one another. I have the whole top floor to myself. He keeps the lower one. In payment, I give him four-fifths of my box office takings whenever I mount a show. Eighty percent? It is a pittance. What is 80% of nothing, doctor? He's squandered a fortune on me, yet he never complains of the laws. The only way I can upset him is by staying out too late. He is insistent that I spend every night in my rooms. He seems to want me there during all hours of darkness. Curious. This arrangement held until yesterday evening. Earlier this week, an actress friend of mine brought me a card. It bore the name of Gerard Maderu, a confederate of the great father of trapeze, Jules Léotard. She told me that Monsieur Maderu wished to meet with me and might consent to instruct me on a few of Léotard's techniques. Well, <laughs> I was ecstatic. I agreed to meet him at my house yesterday evening. Blessington spends his early evenings at his club, so I knew we would not disturb him. Monsieur Maderu arrived in the company of another gentleman quite the specimen. He was nearly fifty, I should think, but muscular, very short, and with reddish hair. Monsieur Maderoux introduced him as a colleague, but said that his companion, unlike myself, was unworthy to learn the secrets of the great leotard. He made the man wait in the hall while we spoke. If I hoped he would open the floodgates of knowledge, I was much mistaken. Monsieur Mederu first insisted that I tell him all I know of trapeze in order that he waste no time instructing me in that which I already understood. We spoke for almost an hour, but all I had from him were questions. It was I who shared my knowledge. Just as it seemed he might be ready to favor me with his own wisdom, his companion burst in upon us and announced that it was time to go, as Monsieur Mederu had theater commitments later that evening. He bustled the old man out without another word. I was frustrated by the meeting and still hopeful that I might arrange another. When Blessington came home, I heard his footsteps in the hall, and then a few moments later, a great cry. In a twinkling, he was up the stairs and crashed through my front door, demanding to know if I had been in his rooms. You hadn't, of course, but you
2: must now realize that the old gentleman was merely keeping you busy while his accomplice rifled Blessington's rooms.
3: I fear that is so.
2: In which case, the old man probably had no knowledge of trapeze to impart. That's why he endeavoured to keep you speaking of what you knew. As soon as he was forced to demonstrate knowledge, his sham would have been revealed.
3: Likely. Alas, for I heartily crave contact with the master of my art and his secrets. Just as I crave a
2: heart attack on the part of Mrs. Hudson. Yet here we both sit disappointed. "'Tell
3: me, did you recount any of this encounter to Blessington?' "'No. I merely said I had not been in his rooms, at which he grew pale and agitated. "'I think he was up very late. When I woke this morning, I crept out, "'hoping to shield myself from further interrogation. "'I returned just before lunch to find him erecting a barricade across the top of the stairs. "'I had no idea what to do. I could not account for his strange behaviour, "'and he refused to answer my questions.' One of my friends suggested you, Mr. Holmes, as a man who understands the bizarre better than he understands the commonplace. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Mr. Holmes? Can you make any sense of the matter? Hmm, let me see. No,
1: I can't. How about
2: you, Watson? Did Blessington tell you nothing? He gave no further clue.
3: Well... I did hear him talking to himself last night. He was pacing back and forth in his bedroom below me, and I several times heard him swear. We shall not have it, by God, Moran shall not have it. Horton, <laughs> get your coat.
0: If you enjoyed the clip of Warlock Holmes 1, A Study in Brimstone, you can purchase the title right here on our website, www.graphicaudio.net. The book is available in audio CD format and in all of our download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. Plus, you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free Graphic Audio Access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Be back soon as I'll have another pick of the week for you. Until then, race.